the, uh, the message this evening. I really will call it a message, not really a sermon, since I will not be expounding the passage of Scripture, but using it as a, a reference point to bring you the story of a man who lived many, many years ago, and yet who I believe speaks to us down through the ages in a powerful way. And this is the man who I've given you named Savonarola. So I'd like to bring you the story of Savonarola this evening. And, to, uh, and may God bless this, uh, this story then to us as a meditation for the close of the year 2022. Well, we begin then in the city of Florence, Italy, which I put a map on the outline there for you. You can see a smack in the middle of the, of, the, of the nation of Italy there, and the city of Florence. Now, when we think about the city of Florence during this time, we're thinking about 100 years or so, very roughly, before the time of Martin Luther. You'll remember that in Reformation Day, we, we, we talked about Martin Luther. We considered the, his story. Well, about 100 years, 75 to 100 years before Martin Luther, God raised up this man, Savonarola, And he's a remarkable figure. And he raised him up in the city of Florence, Italy. And the city of Florence, Italy is noteworthy because at this time, so again, we're roughly in the the close of the 1400s, 1475 or so. Uh, This was the time of the Renaissance, the Renaissance. At the end of the medieval period was this time period when people began to have a measure of freedom. Capitalism was beginning to take hold in different countries. People were becoming wealthy, and especially in these trade cities, and Florence was one of them. Florence was a city where uh, people began to grow wealthy, they had a measure of freedom, and they began to ask questions. They began to move beyond just simple submission to the church, to the pope, and to the kings. They began to investigate for themselves. They began to go back and to read the old Greek and, he, uh, the old Greek and Roman authors, and the poets and the philosophers of the old ancient world. And in the Bible, they began to read the the New Testament in the Greek language instead of the Latin language, and in the Hebrew language instead of the Latin language. There was a tremendous appreciation for beauty, for art, for human reason. This was the age of Leonardo da Vinci, right? Remember him, the the tremendous, uh, tremendously intelligent man, the inventor. This is the age of Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel, in in the city of Rome, and of Raphael. So there's this new appreciation for art and culture and literature and philosophy and science and all these things. There's more freedom, there's more time now to pursue these things, right? There's a measure of peace and security, and these things go forward. But as you can well imagine, my friends, uh, that in so many respects, the Renaissance was was a good thing, right? We certainly know that Luther and Melanchthon uh, used, the, uh, used the knowledge that they gained from that time period, especially to understand the Bible in the original languages, right? That was such a key driver for the Reformation in the 1500s. So it was used in a good way, but right, the devil always makes use of these things to go in a bad way. And so, so much worldliness and so much sensuality and sin crept into these, uh, along with this, this movement of the Renaissance, And so the city of Florence became known as a big party city. You could think Las Vegas, all right? And and there was wealth to go around, and there was a great deal of 
of, uh, of adultery and, and sensuality and, and uh, um, very immodest paintings and statues and, and all the things that we associate with worldliness in our own day, you would find it in Florence, Italy. Well, then enter the preacher. Enter Savonarola. This man was appointed uh, to be the, 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 the head of the monastery there in Florence, Italy. Now, Savonarola is a man who uh, was a Roman Catholic, and I want to I be clear about that this evening. He was a Roman Catholic, and he remained a Roman Catholic his entire life. And yet God used him in a very powerful way to prepare the way for the Reformation to come and to call his generation to repentance. And what's interesting, my friends, is that already we see the seeds of the Reformation beginning to work in this man, Savonarola. Because Savonarola began to study the the theology of the day, the medieval theologians, Thomas Aquinas and these other men who who figure very large in Roman Catholic circles. But he moved from Thomas Aquinas, right, uh, uh, an excellent theologian in many respects, he began to study Augustine, And then he began to study scripture. And there that transformation began, didn't it? As it always happens, right? The word of God has its own power. And it began to have its effect upon this man, Savonarola. So that his conscience became became powerful and became sharp. And he began to see the worldliness that he saw, not just in the world around him, but in the church. And by the way, my friends, the church at this time, and you well know this from your own study of the Reformation, was in a pitiful condition. The popes were monsters. And even the Roman Catholic historians admit this. This is not controversial. These men had many children. They were not faithful. And, of course, they weren't even allowed to be married. Uh, they, they lived lives of unbelievable opulence and wealth and, and pomp and circumstance. Great showy lives that they lived in in tremendous wealth, all that wealth, of course, which was fleeced from the peasants and from the lower classes of society, which had to pay the the taxes to the the Roman. All the things, right, that the the Reformation blew up over, right, were were enforced during this time. Well, now, like I said, in this city of, 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 uh, of Florence, Italy, this Las Vegas of Italy, here comes Savonarola, whose heart is already burning with indignation at the worldliness that he sees in the church, that the clergy are supposed to be faithful, holy men. They're supposed to be devoted to the Lord, devoted to the study of Scripture, devoted to the study of theology. They're supposed to be devoted to the care of the sheep, to caring for the flock, not fleecing them of their money. And so here comes Savonarola. And Savonarola is horrified when he gets to Florence, Italy. Horrified. His, his holy soul just revolted against everything that he saw in this city. And he begins to preach. And his preaching fell like a thunderbolt in the city of Florence. He preached hell and damnation and judgment. And he spared no one. Clergy, wealthy people, poor people. The Pope himself was not spared by Savonarola in the, uh, 
In the fourth point there, I I put a quote from Savonarola from one of his sermons. And this quote could be multiplied a hundred times over. Behold, the sword has come upon you. You, that is, Florence. The prophecies are fulfilled. The scourge begun. Behold, these hosts, and I'll, I'll explain that in a minute, these hosts, are led of the Lord. Oh, Florence, the time of singing and dancing is at an end. Now is the time to shed floods of tears for thy sins. This is Savonarola. This is the preaching that he does. And it reminded me, as I was thinking of this, of Jonah, when he gets to Nineveh. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. There you see the preaching of Savonarola and the preaching of Jonah. This cut from the same cloth. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And then the preaching of John in the book of Revelation. Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, or in this case Florence, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And my friends, the the preaching of Savonarola has this electrifying effect on the city. Now, of course, the the secular scholars want to say, well, the man was a great orator. Well, he really wasn't such a great orator. He really wasn't known for his tremendous oratory. I think we have to say that the Spirit of God went with the words of Savonarola, and even though the people... Uh, uh, were repulsed by this preaching. I mean, they, they didn't, it wasn't something that they liked to hear, right? That you're going to hell, you're, you're, you're sinners, you're living a worldly life. You have, there's no evidence of you being a Christian at all. God calls us to holiness, not to live a party life, right? And yet these people, they're, they're drawn to it. And they come, and they flock to hear this man's preaching. It's almost as if he casts a spell on them. And actually, I... I don't, know about, I don't know about you, but looking at that picture on the back, it, I think he'd catch a spell on me too. He, he looks kind of ghastly, doesn't he? He just has the look about him. Uh, I, I imagine if, if, I don't know what John the Baptist looks like, but that, that seems like what it would be to me. He just seems to, to, to radiate the voice of God against the wickedness and the sin that he found in the city at the time. And people flock to hear this man. I'm not saying that they, that they listened to his preaching or I'm sorry, that they obeyed his preaching, that they repented, that they left behind their worldly lifestyle, but they listened to it. And I think we see something similar in the Bible, don't we? John the Baptist, the people flocked to hear him. Not because they necessarily wanted to repent. Certainly the Pharisees didn't want to repent. But they, they, there was something there, there was a power there that they couldn't resist. And like a fly drawn to a light, they, they came out to hear this man preach. And Savonarola thundered against them. Now, Savonarola, like I said, uh, he remained a Roman Catholic, but he also had other things that we, would, that we would wince at a little bit, that we're not quite so pleased with. For example, Savonarola even made prophecies. He made predictions. Now, we, preachers shouldn't do that, right? That's, that's, not, that's not their realm. But Savonarola did do it. And he even made a prophecy at one point in time that the judgments of God were going to come over the Alps. So if you, that little map there I gave you on the front page, the Alps are up here at the top of the, of the nation of Italy. Those are the mountains, the Alps, right, that form kind of a natural barrier to anyone who wants to come to Italy. So it's very difficult to get across those mountains. But Savonarola says God's judgments are going to come over those mountains, and he's going to visit down destruction upon the, the nation of Italy. And lo and behold, after making that prophecy, this man, Charles VIII, king of France, shows up on this side of the Alps. He crossed the Alps successfully. 
Very few men have done that in history. But he crossed the Alps successfully and now came as a conquering army through the nation of Italy. Well, now Savonarola's popularity redoubles and increases even more because people now think he's a true prophet of God. He made a prophecy and it came true. This man is from God. So Charles VIII, king of France, comes over the mountains and you might say increases uh, Savonarola's uh, popularity all the more so that now more and more people are, are coming to listen to him and really take him seriously. Now, Lorenzo's deathbed is my third point there. Again, I can only pull a few accounts from this man's life which are interesting. This is one of the most interesting. Lorenzo was the was the head of the city. You might call him the mayor of the city of, of Florence. And a, a, a mayor, really, it's not even an accurate term. He's like the king of Florence, okay? He had tremendous power, tremendous wealth and influence in the city. Well, Lorenzo came sick. And it eventually became clear that Lorenzo was dying. Now, again, we're in a Roman Catholic society, right? And when a Roman Catholic person comes to death, he needs to call the priest to administer the last rites. And Lorenzo needed this as well. Now, Lorenzo had an additional problem. Like most kings, he had committed atrocities in his reign. He had committed great sins. And these sins now came to hunt him. They came to plague him. His conscience roared against him. Lorenzo needed needed relief from his guilty conscience. And so he's going to call for a priest. Now, who shall he call? Well, people expected him to call one of the normal priests. But no, Lorenzo, who had no love for Savonarola at all, says, call Savonarola. He's the only one who will tell me the truth. Isn't that interesting? I was struck by that comment, my friends. He calls Savonarola, not because he loves him, not because he likes him, but because he knows that Savonarola will tell him the truth. And my friends, if there's anything a dying man wants to know, it's the truth. And so Savonarola comes. He comes to Lorenzo's deathbed, and he tells Lorenzo, you have three things you must do if you want to die in peace. You must have confidence in God's mercy or faith, right? You must have confidence or faith in God's mercy. You must restore what you have stolen. Like every king in history, he'd stolen like every king. And you must restore to Florence her liberty. Now there is a, is a, is a political thing at the end there that uh, the Lorenzo as a king normally would had, had compromised many of the liberties of the, of the people of Florence. Now, the first two things Lorenzo agrees to, but as the story has it, when Savonarola demanded that he return the liberties of the people of Florence to the, to the citizens, he turned his face to the wall and refused to do it. And Savonarola turned his back on him and left and never gave him the peace of the forgiveness of sins. Now, I know we disagree with that. A priest can't forgive sins. But again, if you understand the, the, the culture of the time, and the religion of the time. What a remarkable story. That Savonarola turned his back on this man and refused to give him the assurance of the forgiveness of his sins. What a bold, courageous man this was. Well, my friends, I move on to the fourth point here, the vanities. 
Because as Savonarola's popularity rises, as people continue to flock to his preaching, to hear his preaching, furthermore, Charles VIII, the king of France, comes down and he throws out the ruling family in Florence. You've probably heard this name, the Medici. The Medici family, by the way, Lorenzo, the name Lorenzo the Magnificent, he was a Medici. Charles VIII throws them out. And uh, Savonarola has now so much influence that he can even reorganize the whole government of the city of Florence, which he does on very democratic lines. And he continues to preach. Now, uh, the city of, of Florence every year has this festival. And as you might imagine, in a city like Las Vegas, this festival had turned very sinful, very promiscuous, very... Uh, uh, a lot of young people running around doing unmentionable things. Well, Savonarola flips that festival completely on its head. And now he organizes the youth of the city to go through the city and to collect what he calls the vanities. Now, these vanities would be any kind of thing that would have been uh, like immoral paintings, immoral books, statues uh, showing the nakedness of people, Okay, anything that would count as something that was a manifestation of worldliness, worldly clothing, all those kinds of things. They gather them all together and they heap them up in the town square and they put a match to it. And again, you can see this is the, this is the climax of Savonarola's influence and power in this city that these people willingly surrendered up these vanities that they had, piled them up in a heap, and burned them, to, burned them into flames. And that's, by the way, uh, that quote from Savonarola that I put under point four there on the outline. When it says, Behold, these hosts are led of the Lord. He's talking about the army of Charles VIII, king of France, who had come over the Alps. And the time of singing and dancing is at an end. Well, my friends, as you can well imagine, uh, such preaching, such actions could not carry on for long. A people grew weary of the rigor of Savonarola's religion. They grew weary of his constant calls to repentance. They grew weary of his demands that people uh, give up worldliness and give up wealth and commit their lives completely to God. And and his popularity begins to dwindle. Now, throughout Savonarola's ministry, there had been Roman Catholic... By the way, uh, by this time, the Pope himself had become stirred up, had heard of Savonarola and heard of what he was saying, because Savonarola did not spare the Pope. He denounced the Pope and said the Pope is a... Is, is a I mean, Luther said nothing worse about the Pope than what Savonarola did. Savonarola condemned the Pope in the most uncertain terms. And uh, at any rate, so throughout Savonarola's ministry, and this was a common thing again in the culture of the time, they asked and challenged Savonarola to what we call an ordeal. An ordeal. Now this is, this is something similar in our, own, uh, in our own nation's history when people would challenge each other to a duel. But it was much worse. Because an ordeal generally involved fire. Uh, for instance, they would make a, a, a pathway of burning coals and they would have the guilty person walk over it. 
And if you could walk over it and not be burned, then they knew you were telling the truth. God had vindicated you. Sometimes they would, they would sink the man in a, in a pool of water. And if you didn't drown, then, then you were vindicated. Well, Savonarola had no use for such things. In, in a biblical way, he understood that. You don't put God to the test like that. Our times are in God's hands, and we don't demand miracles from God when we please to have one. And so Savonarola rejected all those calls. He would never submit to the, to the ordeal. However, Savonarola had a, a priest under his care named Brother Dominico. You can see the Italian-sounding name, Brother Dominico. How Brother Dominico was, uh, may I call him a bit more simple of a man? And yet he burned with a fervent devotion to Christ. A, a, a unqualified devotion to Jesus. And, and to Savonarola as well. And when one of the Catholic uh, preachers in the city of Florence challenged Savonarola to the ordeal, Brother Dominico agreed to do it in Savonarola's place. Now, Savonarola rebuked him for doing that, said, no, you can't do it. But Brother Dominico would not be deterred. He had such an unbounded faith that Jesus would do a miracle to spare him that he went forward boldly without ever hesitating. He's one of those men who, who, who had, his faith in God was so complete that he feared nothing. And again, he, uh, Savonarola was not in favor of this. But Brother Dominica would not be deterred. Now, the interesting thing about the ordeal is that it's not just one guy that walks through it. You both have to walk through it, right? I mean, if I challenge, if I challenge my son Joel to the ordeal, we both have to walk through the flames. I, just one person doesn't get to do it. You both have to go through it. You can imagine that the priest who made this challenge started backtracking in a hurry when he found out that he was going to have to pass through flaming. The, 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 the ordeal that they set up was they, they actually built a fire on two sides of a very narrow pathway. Imagine a pathway only about a foot and a half or you know, two feet wide, just enough for a person to walk through, and a blazing fire on both sides so that you would walk through it. You would surely be burned, you know, mortally burned in, in the fire. Well, this priest who had issued the challenge wasn't too excited about that prospect. And uh, he started making all sorts of excuses. And I had to chuckle when I found that he finally backed out and pointed to one of his priests, one of his subordinate priests, to walk through the fire for him in his place. Well, you can imagine that this brother, Rondinelli, who was going to walk through the fire in place of the priest who had made the challenge, wasn't too excited about that prospect either. Now, Brother Dominico was completely undeterred, completely unafraid, had absolute confidence that, that not, a, not, a, not a flame would, would touch him as he walked through, that he had such unbounded confidence in God and such confidence in the right and the truth of what Savonarola stood for that he never hesitated. Well, you can imagine that when the news of this, when the news of this ordeal goes out, when, when it becomes public, the, 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 the populace are electrified by this. I mean, you know, everybody hears what's going on now. And a date is set for this ordeal to take place. And now, my friends, you get one of the, one of the, uh, one of the most important, one of the most significant events in the history of the Christian church. When the day arrives for this ordeal, and the, the town's 
the leadership of the town build this massive fire, again, with this little pathway to walk between it. You couldn't possibly walk between it without being fatally burned. The townspeople, and you imagine people from miles around, flock to Florence. Uh, the, the historians tell us that the roofs of the houses, the windows in the houses, were all f- choked with people. It's almost as if the whole earth stopped turning as the world watched what is going to happen in this ordeal, in this challenge. And, and with, with breathtaking uh, uh, anticipation, the whole town is watching to see what happens. And out comes Brother Dominico. Again, Savonarola is not in favor of this, but still he, he goes along with it. He, he doesn't say no to Brother Dominico. He just he, he, he told him not to, but Brother Dominico would not, be, would not be deterred. This Brother Rondinelli, well, he doesn't show up. The, the, the time starts passing, and they have to rebuild the fire again. At one point, it even started to rain a little bit. And they wonder, well, how are we going to be able to, well, the rain stopped. They rebuilt up the fire. Brother Dominico was there. He's waiting. He's ready to walk. But, of course, he won't walk until the next guy, right? Both of them have to be there, all right? They won't let him walk through alone, although I think Brother Dominico would have done it. At any rate, they, they start making excuses. They start saying, well, Brother, uh, the priest Dominico was wearing a red, a red uh, uh, robe, uh, probably to represent he was going to be a, possibly a martyr, even though he, he believed fully that he would, the fire wouldn't touch him. Well, they said, you can't go through. It's a very suspicious age, right? So they make him take that robe off. Dominica was also carrying a piece of the, of the Lord's Supper, uh, bread, which, of course, they believed was really the body of Christ, right? Well, they said, you can't, you can't take that into the flames with you either. Now the time passes. The crowd grows restless. They begin to wonder, what's going on? Why isn't this happening? Time keeps passing. They go to get Rondinelli. Brother Rondinelli, are you coming? Are you coming? And they keep making excuses. They keep making excuses. Of course, this guy's not going to pass through that fire if he knows what's good for him, right? Well, this then spells the end of Savonarola because the ordeal never happens. And you can imagine, I, I can even see the disappointment on your faces now. You're like, oh, I wanted to see what happened if you, you know, but it wasn't meant to be. And the rumor that was spread then by the people at the time was that Savonarola and Brother Dominico had backed out. They were not willing to put the, their, their truth to the test. Now, of course, the reverse, all the historians say, even the Roman Catholic historians, the reverse was the case. But the word went out, and now the crowd was incensed. They were enraged at having been denied this chance to see this, this uh, spectacle of this ordeal. And it's only with difficulty that Savonarola and Brother Dominico can even get back to their monastery. But the next day, the mob comes, and they break down the door. The, 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 the authorities are not able to repel the mob, and they, uh, they take Brother Dominico, they take Savonarola, and they take another man who had been very close, Brother Silvestro, very close to Savonarola, and they take these three men, and they drag them out into the streets. They drag them to the courts. They're arrested. They're brought before the city council. And again, I'm I'm skipping over large parts of the story here, but basically these three men are put to the torture. And my friends, this is is abominable, isn't it? It's impossible to imagine the awful pains that these men, these poor men were put to. 
Uh, but this is the end. And again, I, I put on the outline there what the Jews said uh, who had only recently been shouting uh, uh, on Palm Sunday, right? Hosanna, king of the highest, right? Are now shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And the same thing in the city of Florence. These people who hung on every word of Savonarola are now crying for his blood. They hate the man. They hated his stand against worldliness. And so finally, Savonarola and his two priests are sentenced to death. They're going to hang. And then they're going to be burned. And again, what a day that was when these three men are marched out. And father and brother Silvestro, who was very weak and very vacillating, he, he, he I, I put myself in his shoes, and I think probably you would too. When he saw what was coming, he, 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 he fell back in, in horror, right? And Savonarola strengthens him and encourages him to go forward. But he is hung and burned. And then it was a brother, Dominico. And, and I know you've never heard his name. I never heard of his name either before I saw him. But my friends, he went smiling and rejoicing. Isn't that a wonder? He had not the slightest fear. He laughed at death because he knew God was his portion. And he was hung with Jesus on his lips and burned to the ashes. And then it was Savonarola's turn. And as he comes forward, the judge at the time who sentenced him to hang says, I separate you. I put that there as well. I separate you from the church militant and the church triumphant. But Savonarola responded, You can separate me from the church militant, but you never can separate me from the church triumphant. And Savonarola was hung and burned. And so comes the end to this man, my friends. This man who was just a weak individual, and yet God gave him a strength that was not his own. And he thundered against the sin of Florence. And in the day of judgment, my friends, those words will return. Because the word of God is never returns void. It never returns useless. But the word of God always has its effect. And that's the first application point I made there. That just as Savonarola's words spoke in his day, so they speak in our day. And it's the words of our text. This, really, this text here captures the ministry of Savonarola. Behold, I am going to send my messenger and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will come suddenly to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. The judgments of God, my friends, they, they move slowly, but they move Surely. And that day is coming. And, and, and what a blessing it is, my friends, to reflect on that at the end of the old year. That the judgments of God are coming. Like a refiner's fire as he refines the impurities from silver and from gold. And as the fuller's soap, as the, as the person washing the clothing washes the dirt and the stains out of the clothing with soap. In the same way, God will come to his church and he will take out of it the hypocrites the worldly, those who have no heart for God, and he will bring his chosen people pure and holy to himself. That's an, that's an uncomfortable message, my friends. It was uncomfortable in Savonarola's day, 
and it's uncomfortable in our own day. But it's the message that I think is so powerful and so effective and good for us to hear on the last day of the year. That just as we came to the last day of this year, so we will come to the last day of every year of life and of time itself. And we'll stand before the refiner's fire. My friend, I couldn't help but think also in my second point of honest preaching. I'm just going to read the last sentence of that quote from J.C. Ryle. Oh, believe me, says Ryle, he is the best friend who tells you the most truth. My friends, I could stand here week after week and say all is well. We are all we are all going to go to heaven. No matter what sin you may have committed, no matter what lifestyle you may lead, God loves you all. He's going to t- honest preaching, my friends, tells the truth. It tells the truth of what we read here in Malachi. It tells you the truth as seven or older preached it. That God's coming for judgment. Who can endure it? Who can endure the coming of God when he comes for judgment? Well, that leads me then to my very last point. Because only those will endure who are in Christ. Only those will endure. Only those will stand on that grand, great day who are joined to Jesus Christ by a true faith. That faith that Savonarola said to Lorenzo the Magnificent, Confidence in God's mercy. Faith in Jesus Christ. Now that person will endure. When God puts that person in the fire of his judgments, he comes forth as gold. When God puts his soap to that person, only his sin is purged away, and he comes forth clean. That's the message I wanted to bring to you, my friends, on the last night of the old year. Who can endure his coming. I wish, my friends, that you'd take that question home with you tonight. Who can endure his coming? And that you would make sure, that you would make double sure, that you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, where the fires of God's judgments cannot touch you then, and where you can endure, not in your own strength, but in the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My friends, May God bless these words to us. May God bless the words, the ministry of Savonarola as it comes to us so many years later. The ministry of Malachi and the ministry that you hear from this pulpit, I trust, from week to week. May God bless it. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you and the close of this service. At the last time, Lord, we will gather in this house of prayer for the year 2022. And we feel something, Lord, of the blessing that you've given us. The great a treasure that we have to open your word from week to week from this pulpit. And Lord, we think of what have we done with that word that you have given to us. And Lord, we know that not a single word that you have given to us from this pulpit will ever fall to the ground. No matter who may have spoken it, it will not come. It will not return to you void. It will have its effect. Lord, we pray that the effect of your word would be repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And that this evening, Lord, whether we have been Christians for many, many years already, or whether we have never been a Christian before, I pray that this evening, Lord, we might take refuge in the blood of Jesus Christ as our only hope for salvation. Lord, will you bless then and keep us and make us to be good and faithful soldiers for Jesus Christ 
In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Let's turn in the blue hymnal. Blue hymnal, 474. Number 474, we'll sing the four, the four verses, hours and days and years and ages. Swift as moving shadows flee, as we scan life's fleeting pages, not enduring do we see. And what follows then in the four verses of number 474 in the blue hymnal.
receive the blessing of the Lord and go in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.